everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite. And I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And this week, we're so blessed to be speaking with Sue Phillips, CEO of House of Fragrance, Enterprises, New York, and also a member of C-Suite. Sue began her fragrance journey at giant beauty companies, Elizabeth Arden and Lancome in training, product development and marketing. But it was Tiffany and Company, who I have two Tiffany bracelets, where she was hired as the executive vice president and created the first Tiffany perfume that she established her reputation as fragrance creator. From there, she established her company, Centerprises Inc., and has created fragrances for Burberry, Trish McAvoy, Lancaster, Avon, and many others. Wow, what a career. So we welcome Sue to C-Suite Talks today. So Sue, tell us a little bit more about your background and your bio before we get into the questions. Yes, because you're the first fragrance maker I've ever met. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I like to say I'm an entrepreneur with scent, so I am a entrepreneur which I trademarked. So, you know, my background is uh, so interesting because I never was involved in fragrance other than as a little girl. And my mom would wear fragrance, of course, and would go out at night and her lingering aroma would stay in my room after she had left. And so that kind of stayed with me for so long. And I came to America to forge a career in theater because I was a singer and an actress in South Africa. And uh, I came to New York on a vacation to see my brother who was living here and fell in love with New York and stayed. So uh, I've been an American longer than I'm a South African. Oh, I love your accent too. You can tell. That's great. I do too. (laughs) You're like, what accent? (laughs) What accent? (laughs) (laughs) So that's how you ended up in the fragrance industry. So when you started with Elizabeth Arden and Lancome, where did you start? So you started in training at the basic level in product development. How did you get that job? Yeah. As a South African, of course, you know, most Americans don't realize that to get into America, you have to have all kinds of legal forms and green cards and so on and so forth. So I worked for an immigration attorney who got me my green card. At night, I'd go singing and acting. And then when I finally became legal, I went to a headhunter and um, I got three job offers in one week. One was to work in banking, which is not for me. One was to work in fashion. And at that time, I didn't think I was fashion forward because South Africa was so fashion backwards. And the third job offer was to work at Elizabeth Arden in training. And because of my background in theater, uh, they thought I would be a natural for training, to train the people behind the counter. And so that's really how I started in the cosmetics industry, quite by chance. Um, I learned about fragrance. I had to do my orientation at Macy's for three months uh, to learn about the customer relation, selling product, and so on. And then I um, became the national training director, and I traveled around America setting up training schools and learning about fragrance and trying to inspire people, the people behind the counter, all about the magic and the mystery of fragrance. And that's really how... I got involved in fragrance, and um, if you'd have told me growing up in South Africa that I would one day be executive vice president of Tiffany and create the Tiffany fragrance, I'd say it's not possible, but magical things happen in America. (laughs) That's fabulous. Wow, for sure. So what, what made you decide to open your own business? And tell us, what is your business for anybody who doesn't know? 
So uh, after I left Tiffany to have my daughter, I started my company, which I called Centerprises, Scent and Enterprises. And I started creating fragrances for Burberry, Trish McAvoy, Avon, Lancaster. I was hired as a, as a consultant. And at the time of the uh, economic crash in 2008, uh, all the consulting dried up. And so by then I'd learned so much about fragrance. I learned about the nuance of fragrance and how people really um, connect memories and emotions to fragrance. So I started something called bespoke perfume. And at the time, nobody really knew what the term bespoke meant, which is a British term, uh, which is all about customization and custom creation. And so I started to think about customizing fragrances and put together 18 beautiful perfumes. I worked with a lab and I created a series of beautiful perfumes which span the entire olfactive palette, citrus, floral, woodsy, spicy, musks, and so on. And then um, I started a, a boutique downtown in Tribeca, which I called the Centarium. And people like Jamie Foxx found me and Katie Holmes and all these celebrities wanting to create a custom fragrance. And then I started to do corporate events and team building events and anything to do with fragrance, sort of multi-sensory experiences. And then wouldn't you know, the pandemic came. So everything shut down and I had to start all over again. And this time I wrote a book called The Power of Perfume. Is that the book we're doing at the holiday event? Yes. Yes, for our books and bourbon. Yeah. And basically was able to actually help people regain their sense of smell from COVID anosmia. You know, I discovered along my fragrance journey that, and many people have discovered this since, that our sense of smell is our most powerful. Sight is our strongest, but it's a, the sense of smell, our olfactory sense is the most powerful. Why? Because it connects memory and emotion, and it's all linked to the limbic system, to the brain. And so when you smell something, it triggers a memory and an emotion. And sadly, COVID, one of the symptoms of COVID is anosmia, which is the lack of smell. And you lose your sense of smell. And so millions of people lost their sense of smell through COVID. And so because of the book, um, NBC did a story about the book and asked me if I could help somebody regain her sense of smell. And I said, well, I'll try. I don't know if I can. And I took her on a what I call now a scent healing journey with all the fragrances. And she tried to smell one at a time and wasn't able to. When she got to the 14th one, she suddenly said, I smell something and it's beautiful. And she started to cry. People don't realize how powerful our sense of smell is until they lose it. And it's devastating because it's connected to taste as well. Right, right. So I'm not clear. Can you actually like even take us a step back? So when you put all these perfumes and scents together, how do you do it? Do you go to the farmer's market? Like, where do you get these scents? <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, having been in the fragrance industry for many years at that time, uh, when I started to think about the fragrance um, customization, I actually went to a lab and I worked with perfumers. And by this stage, I had learned about fragrance. I'd learned about the different ingredients. I learned about the fresh notes, florals, woodsy, spicy. And I kind of realized which ingredients would then determine what the fragrance family was. So there are many, many different fragrance families. Um, but it's really all to do with the ingredients, sort of lemons. What do lemons smell like? Well, lemons give you that fresh, wonderful, vibrant citrusy. 
What do flowers give you? Probably a sense of sophistication and passion and romance. Woodsy notes of very outdoor, country, fresh, uh, amber, and uh, spicy notes are very sensual and very um, sexy. And so really I was able to put together these 18 different fragrances which span the entire olfactor palette. And through the, my knowledge of fragrance, I was able to develop these 18 different fragrances and then take people on a fragrance journey. And, you know, it's really interesting because I've discovered you know, over the years that different cultures like different fragrances, just the same as food. You know, different cultures like uh, pasta or Chinese or Japanese or spicy or whatever. And so the same is true with fragrance. So Americans love fresh and clean. They like to be fresh and clean and very outdoorsy. Europeans like floral fragrances. Um, the English like lavender. South Americans love spicy. The Middle East market loves oud and incense. And some cultures, for instance, the Japanese market, they love fragrance, but not to wear, but to give as gifts. And they love these very beautiful very luxury, uh, luxurious brand designer names to give as gifts. And so it's really fascinating that I always say to people, well, why wear what everybody else wears when you can create and wear your own? Because something that suits me as a sort of blonde uh, sort of Caucasian might not suit somebody who's more sophisticated or more um, sort of oriental looking or with a darker skin and so it's really important to try and find a fragrance that really reflects one's own individuality and personality. That's awesome. What a good learning. That's awesome. And I know you have like, you know, you do workshops on this. So if someone comes to a workshop, how do they know what's their flavor, what their scent is like? How do you even figure that out? It's such a mystery. Well, that is a great question, and that's one of the problems and one of the challenges because many people don't know what they like. They'll say, oh, I like such and such a brand. Now, there are so many thousands of brands out there, designer brands, fashion brands, uh, you know, luxury brands, and people say, well, I like, you know, a Joe Malone or a Tom Ford or a Le Labo, but that's the brand. That's not the fragrance ingredient. And so what I do is I have actually... Uh, created a scent quiz, which is actually also in the back of the book. I put the scent personality quiz in the back of the book. So by taking this quiz, it's a lifestyle quiz. It asks about, you know, what time of day do you like? What foods do you like? What um, activities do you like? So it's very much a lifestyle quiz. And based on the results, it's narrowed down to whether you like fresh, floral, woodsy, or spicy fragrance families. And that's very, very simplified because actually there are many, many more ingredients. But I narrowed it down because people can relate to fresh, floral, woodsy, or spicy. It's not that complicated. And so once we take them on the fragrance journey, they go through all the different blends and then they select three or four blends that they love. Maybe one could be a bright citrus, one could be a fresh green, one could be a rose, one could be a woodsy. And based on their preferences, they can put those three or four blends together. We use the blotter strips, and then they select their formula and make the fragrance. I just had some people in the boutique today who are looking for a signature scent for their optometry store. Now, think about that. You know, you think about ambient scenting. 
So many of the hotels and the spas and the casinos around the world in Las Vegas are starting to use fragrance as a way of scent branding and scent marketing. This group came in today and they said, you know, this is not like a regular optometry store where you put on the glasses and try them. It's all virtual. And they wanted something very refreshing and very sort of non-gender specific so that when you come into the store, it's very comforting and very relaxing. And they came up with two fragrances and we're going to see which one finally wins. But scent branding and scent marketing is another aspect of what I do besides team building events and corporate events and creating custom signature scents. That's fabulous. Ooh, I see a C-suite scent in our future, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. C-suite fragrance for sure. Yes. So Sue, as an influential woman in retail and perfume, what are some key lessons you've learned that have contributed to your success? I love this question because I do get it all the time. And I know it sounds very simple and very trite, but here's sort of my my sort of synopsis of how I think it's important to follow your dream and be successful. I think, number one, you have to really love what you do and be passionate. Um, now, that sounds very easy, but, you know, so many people today, when they graduate from school or college or university, they're at a loss. They don't know what to do. And sometimes they might be guided by their parents or go and become a doctor or a lawyer. Well, if that's not in their sort of uh, passionate uh, persona, they might just not be happy. And so when challenges arise, and believe me, challenges really arise, if you don't love what you do, you are going to be very upset. So number one, love what you do, find something that you love to do and follow it. Number two, I think you really have to pay attention to details, Um, little things, you know, just how you greet people, how you talk to people, how you judge people. Um, You know, so many people, we're living in a visual world. Everything is visual. And so we make these visual assumptions and visual uh, um, uh, ideas of, of what things are and what people are. But, you know, if you pay attention to detail, you can see the little cues and the little clues which might give you an idea. So don't be judgmental. Look for the clues. I can really talk for myself. I've been in the corporate world and I've been an entrepreneur, a entrepreneur on my own for so long. And what people don't realize is that when you're on your way in the corporate world and you have to struggle to climb the ladder, it's so important to be considerate of people and not to sort of be judgmental about the people below you. And so you dismiss them because one day those people below you might be your boss. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so it's very important to be considerate and to be polite and to just be, you know, I don't mean to, that you, you can't speak up for yourself. You have to speak up for yourself. But recognize that who you are is exactly your brand. And it's it's very easy to have that be dismissed if you're not considerate of people. That's very nice. Very well said. Very astute, for sure, for sure. Tell us a little bit more about the book and um, and where people can get it. Well, the book is called The Power of Perfume, and it's really, uh, it's it's just lots of different essays and lots of different ideas about fragrances, you know, 
and what happened in the 90s and the 80s and why did fragrance become, why did Grasse in France become the fragrance capital of the world? Or what is the fragrance anatomy? So it's really a compilation of all the aspects of fragrance that I've learned over the years. And there are lots of images and pictures of some of the people that I've worked with. It's not really a memoir, but it has a lot of interesting anecdotes and interesting tips about fragrance, even the word perfume. Many people don't even know what the word perfume means. May I ask you if you know the word, the origin of the word perfume? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Well, the word perfume actually comes from the Latin perfumum, which is Latin for per through fumum smoke, through smoke. So what does that have to do with perfume? Well, historically, the history about this is interesting. In the ancient Egyptian rituals, they would make sacrifices to the gods and they would put on an altar of wood, an altar which was made of wood, all the elements that they wanted to offer to the gods because everything was very based on religious ceremonies. And so they would then burn these offerings and the aromas would waft into the air and through the smoke, through the fire and the smoke, the beautiful aromas from all the wood and all the incense and all the offerings would waft into the air. So through smoke came the word perfume, perfumum. And that was in the ancient Egyptian rituals. And, you know, perfume has been used now for centuries for your own personal use, for environmental use, for religious ceremonies, um, for so many aspects. So, Sue, I know recently you were, I think it was in India, was it not? Dubai. Dubai. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's really, you know, I was going to ask you how you lever your experience to empower women, but that was how you did that. So tell us about that experience. Well, that was really, it was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me because, first of all, going to Dubai was just a dream that I'd had, but I never thought it would manifest. Uh, and actually through LinkedIn, which is such a wonderful platform, um, somebody had written to me and said, Sue, you know, we've been watching you and following you for years. We think you can be the Joe Malone of America. And I very kind of cheekily said, well, I want to be the Sue Phillips of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they brought me to Dubai, and the idea was to start to develop a Sue Phillips brand, um, which is very you know, exciting and, and so on. So that's sort of what happened and where we're working. And, and my next sort of foray will be developing a fragrance brand under my name. I thought you did something with teaching women how to develop fragrance. I did. I was an adjunct professor at FIT and LIM College. So I have taught fragrance um, at FIT and LIM. And that's where I also tell students to really follow their passion and follow their dream. I also, interestingly, became an expert witness about fragrance. So that's an interesting sort of sidestep because, you know, in legal, in legal cases, there are many different experts who are called to testify. Certainly in criminal cases, we've all heard about, you know, this firm wants an expert witness and for medical use and this and that. Who would have thought that there would be an expert witness for fragrance? But, you know, there are certain aspects in fragrance distribution, trademarks, copyright infringement, where companies who are looking to launch a brand 
Um, there might be a copyright infringement or a trademark infringement or a distribution disagreement where, let's say, a fragrance that is positioned as a high-end luxury fragrance that should be in all the high-end luxury stores is found in some of the mass market stores. So that is a distribution disagreement and violation. So companies actually have to opine or they have to find an expert witness who can opine on well, what is a luxury brand? Why should it be in a luxury market? Why should it not be in a discount store? So that's also something quite interesting. And I love to do that because it's so interesting to discover, you know, different different cases and different brands and why they're positioned that way and why they want to maintain their brand image and maintain their luxury momentum as opposed to finding, I mean, you would never want to find a luxury brand, let's say Rolex, for instance, in a mass market store. But guess what? There is something called Costco. Right. Costco has some of the top luxury brands, jewelry, perfumes, and so on. So, you know, people love Costco, but you can also find luxury brands at Costco as well. Right, correct. So um, how do people find you and get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you become a global brand and no one can, can touch you, how do we get to you? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Sue Phillips as a name is very, it's a common name. It's like Joan Smith or Anne Brown. So I had to then on my Instagram uh, capture, I wanted Sue Phillips, but it was taken. So on Instagram, I have four, believe it or not. So I'm the real Sue Phillips. I'm Sue Phillips Fragrance, and I had to capture my company name, which is Centerprises. And when I first started Instagram, people said, well, here comes Centfully Sue. So that was the first one. So I have four, four Instagrams, but you can actually find me on my website, suephillips.com, and it's two L's, suephillips.com, and my company name is Centerprises, Cent and Enterprises, Centerprises. So you can Google me, and I'm sure you can find me. <laughs> Right. And I think we're doing a C-suite event with you next year. And we would really look forward to that. I'm so excited by that. Thank you. For sure. For sure. May I just say a thank you, a shout out to a friend, a mutual friend, Steve Savello, who introduced us. Um, you know, I just wanted to say thank you because sometimes, you know, you can go to events and not really meet anybody. Or sometimes you don't want to go to events, but by staying home and not going out and not meeting people, I would never have been on this, so I just wanted to say thank you to see it. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here and to be a part of this wonderful, wonderful organization. Yes, for sure. So thank you, Sue Phillips, for joining us on C-Suite Talks today. Thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you very much. We appreciate our sponsors, Google, the law firm of Manette, City National Bank, and Amplified Professional Services, my firm. And we also want to thank Uncle Nearest, who's a female-owned spirits company. We want to thank you for listening today. So hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you see our podcast, C-Suite Talks. And then follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We love hearing from you. So Beth at CSWET.org. And check out our website. Come to our events, www.CSWET.org. And thank you for today again, Sue, for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Have an amazing day.